Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Summer Heat Wave. We are on our last division. We've made it around the NFL. Well, we've almost made it around the NFL. To the last but not least, actually one of the hardest divisions in the NFL right now, the NFC West. The wild, wild West. It's going to be wild. A lot of intrigue coming out of that division. A lot of fantasy players that a lot of people like coming out of that division. Um, Some people saying that entire division can be turned on its head. Um, We'll see because all of these teams have talent. All these teams have particularly offensive talent. Today we are starting with the northernmost of those squads, the Washington I'm oh, the Washington. Jesus, it is in Washington. The Seattle Seahawks um, are the first team on the docket. Remember, this is part of the summer heat wave. 32 teams in 32 days. Every single fantasy relevant player only with BrotoFantasy.com. We do this three times a week during the season, twice to preview every single viable player. Um, check out the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're listening, then you've already done that. BrotoFantasy.com for everything Broto, including articles that continue to drop daily. Thank you so much for those of you visiting the website. Our website traffic is up tremendously, and we appreciate everyone who's who's uh, doing that. And Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy for the extras, uh, the Discord, the Fantasy Leagues, the giveaways, the extra episode, uh, tons, tons, tons extra that is only on patreon.com slash Brutal Fantasy. So let's get involved with the offensive outlook. Pete Carroll is back at it. And Jason's favorite guy is also back at it. Jason Brian Schottenheimer? That's Michael's favorite guy. That's my favorite oh, guy. Yeah. Oh, my, Michael, why don't you express your love for Brian Schottenheimer real quick? I cannot get enough of Brian Schottenheimer. He is a play-calling wizard and deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Of okay, now tell me how you really feel. Brian Schottenheimer is absolutely ruining what could have been an absolutely glorious Russell Wilson career. Dude, Russell Wilson is going to go down in history as a very good quarterback, and he would have had a shot at being like, remember back when Russell Wilson was was playing? Like, people are going to talk about Russell Wilson later on in life. as like, oh, yeah, he was a good player, blah, blah. He had a chance of being like, Super great, but he's stuck in an offense that want, would rather give the ball to Chris Carson and Rashad Penny 45 times a game rather than letting Russell Wilson throw the damn football 40 times a game, even though he's one of the best QBs in the league. Hashtag let Russ cook it has been popular on Twitter. Um, yeah, I agree. So let's talk about <laughs> Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is one of the shadiest fantasy quarterbacks of all time, all time, because every year. He goes as a top quarterback, and why not, right? If you look back at his history, all the way back to 2012, he has finished as a quarterback one each of those seasons. 11, 8, 3, 3, 9. He was the number one overall in 2017. 9 and 4. This sounds like a great investment, right? One of the best quarterbacks with the most talent, and we want him, and we're going to get him. We're going to pay up for him because he's also great in fantasy. Well, not so fast. Because one thing that makes Russell Wilson not so great in fantasy is that he has dud weeks. For mm-hmm. example, last year he finished as a quarterback one. 
but how many weeks did he have as a quarterback one? If there's one of you guys that don't know this answer, if know this answer already, don't answer it. But you guys want to take a stab at it? Last year, four. Where he leagues games where he wasn't the quarterback one. Where he was a quarterback. Oh, where he oh, was no, a quarterback seven. one. Six. Seven. You mm-hmm. only got seven games at him where he was a quarterback one. Other times than that, he was barely playable, including two starts during playoff and almost playoff time against bad defenses where he shit the bed. At the Rams, he only put up 11.7 points week 14 playing into the playoffs. And against Arizona, who had literally everyone going crazy on them last year, he only put up 11 points. And I think that's the the, the hardest part about it. And he put up and he was a, the QB5 putting up 24 against Pittsburgh. So I think the hardest thing for Russell Wilson is it's not like he's one of these guys because of the offense he's in that you could just predict when he's going to shine and when he's going to suck, right? You have to play him every week. But the problem with that is if you do play him every week, then you're only happy about it seven times. Exactly. Because especially with Russell Wilson, if the Seahawks are leading, they're just going to run the ball over and over. And that's the problem. Russell, For Russell Wilson to be fantasy viable, you need the Seahawks to be trailing. And they literally play a... a and they play their game so that they'll, they're never trailing, basically. Like, that's the way they play football. Let's try to never be far down. So they just run the ball. They play hard defense. And it's just it's a joke what they do with Russell Wilson. And his ADP they're, right now is quarterback five. Um, so you're paying a, what's it called for him, premium. And if you look at yeah. what he's done in the past years on a points-per-game basis, 2017, second, 2018, 11th, 2019, seventh. That's what he does. Every year, he's going to be top 12. Last year, he was top 12, 48% of games. That was 10th in the league. He doesn't bust super bad. He's not going to give you two. He'll give you 10, something like that. Like, he's just... I guess it's gotten a little boring. It's been seven years of this now, where you know how the offense looks. There's going to be boom games, but you're going to have to predict them. This, If you're drafting a quarterback in the fifth round, or as your fifth best player... Or the fifth quarterback off the board in general, a lot of fives here. It's going to be someone you want to put in that lineup and leave the rest of the year, and that's not going to happen with Russ. True that. Well, I you are five. going to if you draft Russell Wilson, but you're going to be upset. Yep. Many weeks. Man, yeah. it's just that's so why much he's a much best ball. He's a much better best ball player, Russell Wilson. But to say yeah. best ball is so whack. It takes all the strategy out of everything. It's because it's also like there are some things to be said about Russell Wilson when he does play well. He had two games of 40 points last year. Yeah, that's that's the that's upside with Russell Wilson. Stud. Right, so he's a he's an absolute stud in games, but you can't predict it because those games don't come in, you know, the most predictable times at the most predictable spots. And if you're paying for that with the eighth overall quarterback, like uh, he got he got the number one overall against New Orleans last year. New Orleans was one of the better secondaries the year before, and it was week three, so nothing you don't see that coming. And then his other number one is was against Tampa Bay, which you saw which coming. Which you see coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could definitely see that coming. Um, a lot of people remember the Tampa Bay defense of the second half last year where they were pretty decent. And I, I but they don't remember the second time the first half, I'm sorry. And I also don't think that I think the, the Seahawks defense will be better. So I think they'll be playing with leads a little bit more this year. So watch out for hashtag let Russell cook, because I don't know if uh that's gonna come to fruition. I mean, they literally asked Pete Carroll about that, and he was like, no. 
<laughs> um, let's go over to the wide receivers because you know the wide receiver options are are who's being affected by this. When Tyler Lockett is on the field, I think that he's one of the more underrated players in at the NFL right now. And if you remember a couple of years ago, perfect quarterback rating from Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett when Tyler Lockett played um, and when Russell Wilson was throwing to him. Last year, you know, kind of a disappointing season for where you got him, but still finished as a as the wide receiver 14 overall. And he when he got injured, he left the field in a stretcher. He had to go to the hospital overnight. So it wasn't a bad injury. And he never he never really he even in the games he played, that injury was still lingering. If you take away the games where his injury was lingering, he would have been a top twelve wide receiver easily last year. So I think that Tyler Lockett is one of the more underrated players in the game, and I think he's one of those guys that he's going in the fifth round, that Austin Eckler-type guy this year where by the end of the year you're going to be like, I got this guy in the fifth round, and I could already tell by week two I paid too little for him, and this is going to be one of the best picks I made. So, you know, I I get that, the fact that Tyler Lockett was on – he was a top-five option before getting hurt last season. Like, there's – no denying how good he was in the first half. I mean, and him and Russ always basically have like a perfect passer rating. Exactly. The problem with me with Tyler Lockett is, do you want the 28-year-old speedster who had seven games with 10 points or less last season and has one career 1,000-yard receiving season because he gets dinged up often, or do you want to take someone else in the fourth or fifth round? And that's that's what always bugs me with Tyler Lockett. I see him there in the fourth or fifth round, and I'm like, I know he's going to have some big games, but it's a guy who it's a speeds the 28-year-old speedster like I said who just has he has one really good season in his career. That I think it's he a was, little disingenuous to call him just a speedster. I was about I get to say that saying. like I yeah. he's not he's not I mean but that's his like, main role. If he wasn't five, fast. Six, but like if he wasn't fast, he wouldn't be nearly as effective. It's he's not a route runner, man. He, get, he, he just plays all over the field. I mean, sure, but the, the, all I'm saying is with Tyler Lockett, I understand why people are drafting him there. I just think when you look to the other side of the field, you have a 22-year-old athletic freak monster who outperformed him in the second half and in the playoffs, and that's the guy I prefer. So that's why I'm not ending up with many Tyler Lockett shares because I prefer DK Metcalf straight up. So that's why I'm not ending up with a lot of Tyler Lockett shares. This guy had a 900-yard seven-touchdown campaign in his rookie season where he had a limited route tree working predominantly on the outside. And this was a guy that everyone thought he's going to need a lot of time to really acclimate into the NFL. And they just threw that completely out the window. Brian Schottenheimer, as much as I hate him, he said earlier this offseason that Metcalf was stuck at the X receiver, which is outside, a lot last year, and they know they can move him around. And there's many more routes he can run, which is an incredible advantage for us. So if DK Metcalf's going to start moving around in the into the slot and across the formation as well, that's going to be even better. I mean, he yes, Lockett got hurt last season during the second half, but Metcalf out-targeted him 46 to 37 starting week 10. Even in the postseason game, Metcalf put up a monster seven catches for 160 yards and a touchdown on the Packers, just solidifying himself as a stud. The, the real negative for me with both of these guys is that it's a Brian Schottenheimer offense, which limits upside a little bit, and they might end up vulturing each other a bit, which I would not be shocked. 
But DK Metcalf's currently going at wide receiver 22, like right behind Tyler Lockett. I prefer Metcalf straight up. I'm okay with either of them at ADP. I'm just, I'm not super into Tyler Lockett this year, though it seems that you guys are more onto him than I am. I'd much Jason. rather him be my fifth fifth best player than fourth. Because um, everything, you're both right. Like, no, if, all right, here's a hypothetical. If you knew Tyler Lockett would be completely healthy for a full season, where would you take him? I think you've got to consider taking him in the second or third round at that point. I'd probably, like, late third, early fourth. Because he's that good when he's on the field. But and the, But that's the problem, too. When he's on the field, he's also playing dinged up a lot. And it's a, you know what? When Russell Wilson ebbs and flows, so does his wide receivers. So there's inconsistencies there as well. There as well, I'd prefer Lockett as my fifth best player as opposed to my fourth. Um, yeah, I get that. Uh, I I think that he has an explosion capability and potential. And no, listen, I I know that that Schottenheimer is not gonna not gonna throw the ball that much, but Russell Wilson does throw the ball to his wide receivers and. You know he's still going to throw it 25 times a game. So there is a world where both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf can both shine, and I think that they're both worth a pick this year. Yeah, but uh, there's another there's another thing I do like a trick that I do when I'm looking when I'm trying to decide on players and things like how I've spoken about how me and Jay use the is a player just inherently better than their ADP? Like Marvin Jones is going outside the top 36 receivers. But he's never going to be ranked outside the top 36. So he's just like inherently better than ADP says he is. So he's a good value there. I also look at which player of the two do I foresee being a top 12 option next year this time. Like which which one of these guys do I think has the ability to be a first or second round pick next year. And for me, it's Metcalf over Lockett 100 times out of 100. I don't know. I, th- I think Lockett has the ability to be that. You know, Lockett also it's been had a, a year where now, he scored. I, two years ago, he scored ten touchdowns. All right, it hasn't been that. It hasn't been that long. And last year, he was the it was, he was a wide receiver too. Like he was, I, I believe he was the wide receiver fourteen overall last year. I could be mistaken on that. I, I got to double check, but I mean that's that's nothing to, to wink your your eye at. You know what I'm saying? Wink your eye at. I like that one. Yeah, is that a real saying? <laughs> I don't know. If it is, then holler. If it's not, then definitely holler. I just made that up all by myself. For me, obviously, I've made myself very clear at this point. I prefer Metcalf. Um, Yeah, I mean, no one's to blame. Uh, Yeah, he was wide receiver 14 last year. Hmm. So, I mean, he's only two spots away from that wide receiver one. I I think he can climb up a little bit if he stays healthy. Um, What about about the tight end? The tight end? That we got over there. We got Will Disley. On the comeback trail, and we have Gregorius. the old Wiley veteran, Greg Olson. Yeah, look, Greg Olson's 35 years old now, has been hurt a bunch recently. Last season, he was 13th in points per game, which seems good, but take into account that he was seventh, that he had the seventh highest snap share of any tight ends, of all the tight ends, and was just like super blah with his targets. It was like, it was like how Jason Witten ended as the 12th tight end in points per game yeah. like it's not like it was a pretty 13th overall in points per game and this he's going as tight end 19 where is the upside with Greg Olson there is a zero percent chance he ends as like a top 12 tight end so why what's the and if you're taking a if you're looking at a tight end maybe in a two tight end league why take a 35 year old 
when you could take a young up-and-coming tight end like a Dawson Knox or his counterpart or teammate, Will Disley. Like, I'd rather own Will Disley than Greg Olson this season. And That's Will Disley's going at tight end 26. Dude, people forget how good Will Disley has been when he's been on the field. In 2018, as a rookie, he was 11th in points per game. As a rookie. That doesn't happen for rookies. And then last season, he was 9th in points per game before he got hurt. Guess how many times in his career, what percentage of games he's been a tight end one? Disley, like over 50%. 60. Damn. 60% of his games, he's been a top 12 tight end that week. His ADP is currently tight end 26. He's expected to be ready for week one, so he's back and ready to go. I, I don't think Greg Olson's going to be able to hold the dude off long, as long as Disley stays healthy. That's a real question with Disley, but no one's making you pay for his health. So, like, why wouldn't you take a shot on someone like Will Disley over someone like Greg Olson, who's 35 years old? What is, what's he going to do with his targets? It's not like he has yard after the catch ability or anything. And he's I, not think gonna... touchdowns, I think touchdowns is what people are looking but for. But he's going to have to, like... Find an opening. He's not. He's not going to go up and catch it on top of someone anymore. Like Greg Olson used to be a very good tight end, but he's not that anymore. As much as I like the guy Will Disley, and I'm rooting for him to come back from a terrible injury, I will say that this role makes the tight end valuable, not the other way around. There's been valuable Seattle Seahawks tight ends for years now. So yeah. I, I, you know, so I think that whoever does end up playing here. Um, that's a valuable player, whether it's Greg Olson or Will Disley. And if it's if they split time, then all of a sudden it's not a valuable player. Because it's, it's going to be all about touchdowns. But when you get past, like, tight end eight, it's all about touchdowns anyway. So I, I think there's that a worse thing we could do. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's go into the running backs, the real stars of the show in Seattle because of that Schottenheimer offense. Um, Chris Carson, at first, didn't look like he is go- was going to be ready to go. Um, but he is ready to go. Everything looks all systems go. He's ready. He's he's healthy. He's he's going. Um, he's been a workhorse for this team. Now, he doesn't do much in the catching game, um, but he gets the ball and they give it to him and they give it to him and they give it to him. A guy that looks like he was going to take some of that role when he was on a roll last year, Rashad Petty, Penny, excuse me, is not going to be on the team week one. They had Carlos Hyde. You know, they like to to give Chris Carson a breath every once in a while. I think Chris Carson could be a pretty good value going where he's going in the third, fourth round, um, depending on your league, depending on how many players are in it. How do you guys feel about Chris Carson and his unexciting but productive fantasy life? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. At this yeah. point, Chris Carson is the perfect RB2. I've, yeah. um, I've gotten to like him a little more as we get closer to the season. Yes, have I. Just because there's no reason to fade him. Uh, the injury concerns are not there because we know he's fully healthy. We know Rashad Penny's on the pup. And the only competition they brought in was Carlos Hyde. And they drafted DJ Dallas, but their first-round pick running back couldn't even get on the field. Why would their fourth-round pick running back get on the field? Um, Carson is as consistent as they come. Last year, he had more rushing yards, more receiving yards, and more receptions than the year prior. He had nine touchdowns each of those two seasons. In the last two years, he played 14 and 15 games. So this injury-prone um, narrative narrative is a little absurd, too. I'm looking I, at a healthy... I wouldn't say absurd. Miss, he does miss games every year, but it's, it's, not, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Yes, correct. And they act like this guy is old. His first year was 2017, for Pete's sake. 
In his <laughs> second year, he went over 1,000 yards rushing. And then he got old vibes. He got old vibes. Chris, because he dude, you hear body. Chris Carson, you think he's as old as like Carlos Hyde. Yeah. But no. He's younger <laughs> he than freaking Alvin Kamara. Like, maybe. I don't know. Is he younger than Alvin Kamara? I'd have to check ages. I'll, I'll but check this guy's not going. old. <laughs> I don't think he's younger it's than Alvin Kamara. My point. But. So, I really like Chris Carson as my RB2. If you can get him in the fourth round, that's amazing. He's 25. He's turning 26. Back end of the third round, I've... I'm okay with that as well. He's turning 26 in three weeks. He's the same age as Al- Alvin Kamara. Same there you go. Yeah. So, Jason, you're right. And and when you think of... and In fact, he's a, he's a couple months younger than Alvin Kamara. He's another guy who just doesn't really get the no, love. older. He's a couple months older, my bad. He doesn't get yeah, the love because he didn't have the draft capital. He's a better football player than Joe Mixon. And Leonard Fournette. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette, by the way, if you're listening to this, it's probably a couple of days after, but Leonard Fournette just got... Uh, released today sending the fantasy world yo guys i i heard something on on the fantasy footballers today that i i, I gotta give credit for this i want to see what you think shoot is this chris thompson's justin forsett year chris is thompson's this where he justin forsett is this year. where he can like yo he he got brought in by a coach that knows him they released the guy behind him they have literally no names six round picks it's like an undrafted free agent, like, do you is this Chris Thompson's Justin Forsett year where he takes the reins and he is the guy? If he is, he's gonna be a his, cr- incredible value. It's different. If Justin Forsett wasn't a pass catcher first, like Justin Forsett was able to carry the rock too. There's never gonna be a time where Justin, excuse me, Justin Forsett, I was gonna call him, where Chris Thompson's gonna be the lead dog. I don't. Know, we'll I see. could see him being on the field for like half the time though. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They're definitely gonna be down. That's for damn sure. Um, right now the lowest odds in Vegas of uh, the lowest win total at four point five. Um, one injury away. I'm gonna go with Carlos Hyde because if there's one thing for certain, it's if that offense, no matter who's back there, they're running it, even though they have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time under center. It's true. I'm gonna and go. Whoever's running it, I want that guy. I'm gonna go Will Disley. He'd be a lot. He'd be drafted a lot higher right now if Greg Olson was on that team. I was going Carlos Hyde, but I'm going to go Will Disley as well. That's that's a good one, Jay. That's uh, what I do. I do good ones. Next time we're going to be coming at you with a very young, exciting Arizona Cardinals squad. The, Schman, the one and only. Um, very exciting year. Very exciting from them. I think Kyler Murray's going to have a big year, but we'll get into that, um, of course, next time. In the meantime, Michael, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Jason. At BrotoFF Jason. You can find me at BrotoFF Tim. You can find us all at BrotoFantasy on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to check out BrotoFantasy.com, Patreon.com, and don't forget to check us out tomorrow. Uh, After these, we'll be coming with you with some also regular episodes. Our hat hangers, guys that we are hanging our hats on, uh, raising our flags for uh, in 2020, the year of no return. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all for us. Hang those hats. See you in Arizona. Peace. Later.